It is my honor to introduce you, Rez, to our international guest this morning. And uh, we are so blessed that God sent to us this week um, delegates, missionaries, Christian leaders from across the globe to teach us about evangelism, church planting, starting new dioceses, and also how to live as Christians in societies that are hostile often to the church. We've learned so much from these, our guests, and I just want to introduce them to you. I hope you'll get a chance to meet them after the service. For 15 years now, we have had a global partnership with the Anglican Diocese of Jos in Nigeria. And if you know the situation in Jos, you know that over the last 15 years, thousands of believers have been killed there. Churches have been burned down, and it's been a very, very difficult situation. And in the midst of that situation, the gospel is going forward. And Bishop Stewart and I have had the privilege of traveling there to Joss. Thank you for sending us. And we now have been blessed to receive uh, these guests this week. Here from Joss with us is Canon Pick Owoche. I'm sorry, I messed your last name up. Say it again. Owoche. Uh, as a professor there at the University of Joss. And it's just been a delight to have you here, Canon Pick. Thank you. Next to him, please stand, is the Venerable Mark Mukan. Uh, Mark uh, has been a special blessing to us because when we sent Matt Woodley there, Mark was responsible to keep Matt in line. So uh, you can pray for our dear brother. No, uh, the Venerable Mark is uh, one of the leaders there in the diocese, and uh, we've just learned so much from him. Thank you, men, for traveling all this way. We're so blessed that you would be with us this week. Our, our sermon this morning uh, is from one of the signal leaders in the global Anglican family of 80 million believers worldwide. His name is Archbishop Eliud Wabakala. He's sitting right here. He's with his wife, Mama Rhoda, and we're so blessed that they would come along with others uh, from Kenya, including the provost of the cathedral there and his uh, others as well. Um, As if you read the news, you know that the Anglican family has been in a long conversation over 20 years of will it adhere to the gospel and who will lead it. And I am so thankful that people like this archbishop have stood on the gospel of Jesus Christ and on the word of God. And sometimes at great cost to themselves and, at, uh, and bringing on themselves great difficulty, they have stood for that. The archbishop is the leader of what's called the GAFCON movement, the Fellowship of Confessing Anglicans, those Anglicans who have said we will not revise the word of God for the latest cultural trend. And he has been a leader. We look to him for his leadership across the entire globe and that he would come to resurrection is really a signal privilege. And so, Archbishop, thank you. You honor us today, and please come and bring us the word of God. Thank you so much, uh, my brother, our friends, the church this morning. Good morning. I want to start by bringing you greetings from uh, Kenya, the province that I serve, and also with my wife, Rhoda, we have been so blessed to be in this place, this part of America, Chicago. We had never been here before, and since our arrival, we have had wonderful stay, wonderful hospitality from Bishop Stewart and his team, and his wife, Catherine, and Marsha, who has been keeping us for the last three days. And we have enjoyed every bit of this time. And so I want to thank you for coming and for being such a wonderful people. 
I can say when we arrived, we were given a trip around this city. And we went towards the water, the lake. I don't know how many people have been to that beautiful place in Chicago. <laughs> and we saw some people fishing. And when we arrived there, one was very lucky. He caught a very big fish. I think our presence was helpful. <laughs> and uh, then they showed us some beautiful buildings, tall. This is a wonderful place. We were also led to Wheaton College, able to see Billy Graham Center. We saw that powerful witness of the gospel that this city represents. Thank you so much. You have so much to offer the world. And of course, we started talking with friends, and one said, This week is a special week because the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> uh, this is a team that uh, everybody's hoping against all hope <laughs> that it must win. And you know what? The last time it won is a hundred years ago. But we hope it must win today. That's a great hope, isn't it? That is a great hope that something will come. But again, there is something very big in this city. The Chicago Marathon. The Marathon and the Kenyans are here. <laughs> so, take care to see what will happen. Now, let us pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you have brought us together in this place to worship you and to hear from you. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be made acceptable before you, our Redeemer. Amen. We have just had uh, the reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. Our sister has read it so well. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, is the story of this uh, Samaritan woman. Now, Jesus uses the Samaritans when he wants to make a, an important point of mission. You know the story of the Good Samaritan, where somebody was hit, was about to die, and left on the road, all the good people in society passed by, but this Samaritan that was hated by the Jews came and rescued this person. And Jesus said that was a good neighbor. To answer the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus gave the story of the good Samaritan. Now at this time again, as our Lord Jesus wants to give the message of reconciliation, the message of hope to the whole world, he again talks to the Samaritan woman at the well. The story is good, but it's, it comes at a time when Jesus is just beginning his ministry to make sure that he is known by the whole world as the Messiah. And so, 
he has to cross over to Samaria, to Galilee. But the text says, now he had to pass through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. The Samaritans and the Jews were enemies. But our Lord Jesus decides to pass through Samaria to bridge that enmity between the two groups. He was putting himself in danger, yes, but he had to pass through Samaria. And as he moves on, of course, he gets tired. He comes to the well of Jacob. He sits there, and a woman comes. At noon, very dry time, to draw water. She is a Samaritan, he is a Jew. And he says, get me some water. The woman says, well, look, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We have no connections. At the well, an important point of meeting, our Lord Jesus was there. At a very unique time, because it's not uh, proper, that people will go for water at midday. Even in Africa, where people go to look for water, they will wake up very early. Because the water in the morning is better water. It is still fresh. But during the day, nobody goes to the well. They will go in the evening, if possible. But this woman could not go with others. She went alone. And guess what? The Lord was there. Lord Jesus was there. And so, the conversation starts. And that conversation, you notice that Jesus is trying to lead the, the, the woman towards eternal life. Give me water. She says, no, I'm a Jew. You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. I can't. Those are the, the perceptions that we have as people in this world. I have picked this text because as I came to this church two days ago, learning from Bishop Stewart, you have purposed to be a missionary church. You have purposed to plant churches around this place and spread the word of God for many, many people to come to this place. And so the model that Jesus is using here is very appropriate to all of us who want to be engaged in mission. Jesus does not get sidetracked by the woman's conversation that wants to evade the truth. She says, I cannot get the water. Jesus says, I have eternal water, water for life. I want to give you that water. Of course, she comes to discover that, yes, she wants this water. I want it. Give it to me. The Lord Jesus says, look at yourself first. Look at your condition. And come to terms with who you are so that I can come and help you. And then that's where the question comes. Go and bring your husband. 
That was an opportunity for the woman, as any one of us is expected to be, to examine themselves. At that point then, Jesus said, yes, you are right. You have confessed properly and you are here. Of course, the conversation gets on to the, to the point where they talk about their faith. Where Samaritans are supposed to worship somewhere else, the Jews elsewhere. But Jesus again takes the conversation towards the right direction. He says, we want to worship God in truth and in the spirit. He wants us to know the true God, to worship him in that spirit of truth. And so this lady is led towards her talking about the Messiah. As I started talking about the Chicago Cubs, the expectation of the Messiah was like the expectations of our people in Chicago. That one day, the Messiah will come. And the Jews, I mean the Israelites were in their history talking about the coming Messiah to save them from their enemies. And when Jesus came, some of them did not accept him. They did not think he had come. And so the hope of a Messiah was always there. And this woman was hoping for the Messiah to come. What's your hope in this life? She said, well, what you are saying is true, but I know when the Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. When the Messiah comes. And something surprising something which is awesome is that the person talking to her is the Messiah praise God you are here God that has brought us all together this morning to this service maybe giving us an opportunity to freshen our spiritual life again that even as we are seated in this place, this is the Messiah is here. The Messiah is the anointed one of God. The one that God has anointed to come to the world, to save the world from sin. And so the Samaritan woman says, when the Messiah comes, and Jesus did not Stay back. He read straight away. The one speaking to you now, I am he. And I think it's like the whole world ended. <laughs> she left her jug of water, went back to the village, excited and running to tell people the good news of the gospel. I, have, I told my congregation in the morning today that the resurrection church is a nice symbolism of hope. You know the name of this church is called the resurrection. And the resurrection means something that died but has risen again. And so when all of us come to the resurrection church, 
we come to the place of hope. Praise God. We have come to the place of hope. And I also said, my encounter with the team that is leading this church has given me a lot of encouragement. Your bishop is a wonderful man of God. You know, if he was here, he would be jumping. <laughs> yes, I've learned to jump from him. He speaks with all the enthusiasm about the gospel. You are like people. And so when I go back to Kenya, I think they will see me jump a bit because I've learned it from Bishop Stewart. But that's the hope of the gospel, isn't it? When you get the word of God and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know that because of him you have been forgiven from sin and set free. What else do you do? You jump up and down and go to tell this message to anybody who is nearby. And so this woman left the jug of water and went in the village of Saika, told people, come, come and see the man who told me everything. He must be the Messiah. And so people in that city began buzzing around that, hey, this woman says the Messiah is around. And she was enthusiastic telling the good news to everybody. My friends, you are in a wonderful place at an opportunity time, an opportune time when the whole of this area can know that Jesus is a Messiah. What can happen if all of us now, left living here, began to make this happen? To tell people about our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. We shall spread this church. We shall obey the vision of our bishop and begin to plant as many churches as possible. Because like that woman at the well, we are excited about meeting the Messiah. And so the vision of planting churches, yes, is a good vision. It can be realized because we have received the Messiah. And so as I move around the country uh, in Kenya, and also with my other friends in the Gafcon family, I want to be excited about this thing, about the Word of God, about the Messiah, who by the grace of God comes to us in our very different situations and circumstances. This lady comes at noon, lonely, but Jesus is there. In all the circumstances you are in, it's possible the Lord wants to meet you. For those, for, for those of us who come from Africa, and my brothers are here from Nigeria, we are going through a very interesting time in the history of the world. I know history has always had challenges, but ours is becoming quite unique with the terrorism almost everywhere. In Kenya, there are Al-Shabaab. Although they have been contained, 
but they can rock any time. Of course, Nigerians will talk about Boko Haram. But then, these things have the effect of strengthening our faith in Jesus. It's now we know that indeed our faith is the true faith. Because those who are doing these problems, bringing challenges to our faith, are wrong. And so I challenge the people I serve and say that now that the Messiah has come and the witness of this Samaritan woman is very clear, again, the Messianic hope has not stopped because Jesus will come again. He has come this time to save us, to die for us on the, the cross and save us. But he will come again, this time to go with those people that follow him. Now, I ask, how should we live between now and his second coming? This, this woman, when she received Jesus, her first reaction was to go and spread the word. That was how she wanted to, to live that life. We are in a time when indeed we can bring change, transform society just because we have made a Messiah. And I want to share with you from the first letter of Peter, chapter 4, verse 7, just to see the advice that Peter is giving us between now and the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How should we live? And Peter says, verse 7, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. The end of all things is near. For me, that statement means that God has prepared everything for us to receive him. Salvation history right from the time of Abraham has now been accomplished. And the Messiah is here. Our Savior has even reached this woman at the well. Jesus is here with us. And therefore, everything that was supposed to be done by God in order to save us has happened. The church has been established. Resurrection has bought a big building already. So nothing is left. The end of all things is near. So how should we live? What do we do? And Peter says, Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. He's advising us, my friends, to remain connected to God in worship, in prayer, and in fellowship. So that God's presence is with us every time. He's advising us that the worldly things should not distract us from connectedness with God. 
So Peter says, as we wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus, ours today is to worship him. And I thank God this church is doing it so well. I encourage you and encourage all of us to keep it up in our own personal way and also in the corporate life of, the, of, of, of this church. And then he says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. The second point is love. For us in Africa, this is a very important aspect of Christ's message. Our divisions, divisions because of our tribal differences, divisions because of our social differences, hatred that comes because of poverty and all the other things. They are so deep. And so when I preach in Kenya, I say, love one another earnestly. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. It doesn't cover my sins. But it covers the sins I see in you. So when I see you, and because I love you, I don't look at your sin. I look at the love of God that now unites us. Our Lord Jesus had to pass through Samaria in order to overcome the differences between the Jews and the Samaritans. Our Lord Jesus had to meet the woman at the well to break the prejudice that existed between gender. Our Lord Jesus had to break the barriers that were put there on religious grounds where a religious leader of his stature could not have shared with a woman of unquestionable character. His love, his love covered all that and he went to bring God to this lonely woman. And so friends, as we wait for the second coming of our Lord Jesus, let us love honestly. I know it's a good concept. The Resurrection Church is a happy place to be. My Lord Bishop, I've already told them how I love your dancing. <laughs> and so the joy that is coming from this church in the, in, in the way we proclaim the word of God. So let us love. First point I've said, pray. And secondly, love. And then Peter finally says, now that you are, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. As we wait for the second coming of the Lord, let us serve with all the talents that God has given us. And I can see in this church a lot of talent. We have wonderful musicians there singing to us. We have many wonderful people serving on our table, serving us well. There are those who are teaching who can teach. There could be doctors. Everybody. Exercise that talent as if you are serving God himself. Meanwhile, as we wait for the coming of Jesus. My friends, we are so, so grateful that we have come to share the life of this church 
And so, like the Samaritan woman, let Christ come and be present here so that we say, yes, I'm the Messiah. And let's go out there to serve him in prayer, in love, and in service to others. I say these things, that may God's name be glorified and let us all be united in that life of service to our God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.